Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 85 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and I am currently just hanging out wearing a stem cell producing patch on my thyroid and living my best life. I hope you are having a wonderful day. Uh, For those of you who have been following along slightly, I've kind of mentioned here and there, I've been having some pretty crazy, pretty intense health complications. Um, And we're trying to get down to the root cause of everything. And it's definitely looking like a lot of it is electromagnetic hypersensitivity. Um, So I've been working really hard on getting healthy because I love doing this podcast. I love Happy Home Birth Academy. I'm wanting to relaunch it soon. I had planned for August, mid-August. Now I'm thinking it might be September. So I will keep you guys updated and give us a surefire date. Uh, this next week. But um, but yeah, in the meantime, I have found this amazing little patch that has light and sound embedded in it. So it literally doesn't put anything into your bloodstream, but it helps you create stem cells. And that is like gold. You guys, if you don't know about stem cells, you need to head over to my own personal Facebook page because I have just recently posted all about stem cells. But anyway, just letting you guys know, I am doing my darndest to heal. If you are having an issue and you want to heal, reach out to me about that because I am like obsessed and blown away by all of the results I've gotten by just like one week of doing this. So that's a side note, but I have gotten a number of questions about how I'm doing. So I figured I would just throw it out there and let you guys know I'm doing all right. I'm trying to heal everything. And um, yeah, it's been it's been quite an interesting journey. So we'll move all of that aside and get down to business. We've got my amazing friend Madeline on the show. She's going to be telling us all about her second birth, and you know I just love her perspective. She really brings the golden nuggets to this episode. You are not going to walk away disappointed. So let's just go ahead and dive in and talk to Madeline. In the show notes, there are going to be links to all of the previous episodes that I've had with Madeline. There's also going to be a lot of links to some pelvic floor health things that we discuss in the episode. I'm going to put a link to information on these stem cells because I am buzzing with energy right now. It's amazing. And I'll keep you updated with when Happy Home Birth Academy is going to relaunch. I am hoping for the first half of September. And that is it, my friends. If you aren't in the Facebook group, please go jump into the Facebook group. I am trying my best to do Facebook Lives every Wednesday and Friday to keep you guys informed and give you all of the home birth deets on a consistent basis. So join us there at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash happy home birth. We'll be so excited to see you. And please remember that even though Madeline is a phenomenal midwife, She and I are not acting as your care providers, so continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me and Madeline, your chiropractor. Madeline, my friend, once again, my co-host, you're back. (laughs) I'm back. I'm so, so happy to have you here, especially related to the occasion. You have a new baby. Madeline Murray, mother of two. I really can't even 
believe oh, it. Midwife, <laughs> Madeline Murray, midwife and mother of two. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, so for those of you who don't know Madeline yet, I am shocked. You clearly haven't listened to many episodes because <laughs> she gets brought up a lot. <laughs> but Madeline, would you introduce yourself to any new listeners? Yes. Um, so my name is Madeline Murray. I'm a mother of two. Um, I am a midwife, a certified professional midwife, but I'm not currently practicing. Um, although, you know, I still am involved in the community. I was consulting with a midwife who was at a birth last night and um, I'm still, you know, keep my foot in the door. And I also have an organization called Believe in Midwifery, which is sort of an advocacy and education group for midwives, specifically home birth midwives, um, about sustainability and kind of the educating midwives and mothers about the sort of perils of the on-call lifestyle and how, what a difficult career it really is to be a midwife. And so I, I try to help midwives figure out a way to um, kind of lighten the load and share the burden, um, mostly by getting partners to work with and so that they can keep on being midwives um, for a long time and help more women because I'm so passionate about home birth and midwifery care that I want midwives' careers to last longer because at That's the moment, um, they don't last as long as, as they need to for the, the, you know, the demand that we have in this country. Absolutely. And the growing demand. I mean, yes, gosh, especially got, right now. <laughs> yep. We got to make more midwives and we got to figure for out sure. how to keep them around. Yes. Well, awesome. Okay. So if you have not listened to Madeline's birth story yet, you have got to go back and listen to that. I'm going to link for her first birth. I'm going to link that in the show notes. But before we dive into this birth, if you want to like, or as we talk about the birth, whichever way you prefer to do it, Madeline, <laughs> we can just kind of allude to what happened last time so that we have a kind of understanding of what your situation was, but, but I would also like to hear your pregnancy was, was your pregnancy different the second time around? Yes. Um, very. I mean, my pregnancy the first time was also, um, the, the labor was incredibly hard, um, with my first son and the pregnancy was also incredibly hard, just like kind of weird. Like I had really, really terrible insomnia, um, I mean, like, you know, we tried everything and I just like actually wouldn't sleep for like weeks at a time in the beginning. And that was horrible and strange and not something that I had um, come into that much contact with in my time as a midwife. Um, I also was sick, but I didn't really feel like morning sickness. I just felt just generally bad, kind of like I had the flu or something the whole entire time. So yeah, the pregnancy sucked. I also had diagnosed polyhydramnios. I had way too much fluid um, and I was stressed out. We were moving. It was, yeah, it was hard, my my first pregnancy. And this one, um, I was so excited to be pregnant the second time. And like, I woke up on the morning of six weeks and I felt the same as I did with my first son's pregnancy. And I was like, oh crap, what have I done? Like, I don't want to do this again for, you know, another 40 weeks or whatever. Um, because I felt so bad with my whole first pregnancy. And this time I felt terrible until about 17 weeks, honestly. Mm -hmm. But after that, it has been like a dream. I mean, I, I wouldn't have even known that I was pregnant if it wasn't for, you know, the fact of my growing belly, (laughs) I felt really good. Um, 
and I was going to a chiropractor, which I know you love. And I did that the first time too, but I had a different one this time. And I think, um, I credit him a lot with how well I felt so good, even up until the end. I mean, I was sleeping great. I didn't have any aches and pains. And, um, so yeah, the pregnancy was much better and it was, you know, great to have a better pregnancy when with already having a toddler. Yeah. Um, that's ideal. <laughs> yeah, and we moved again. So like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, the same kind of stress things with like jobs for my husband and moving and things like that. Like there was, we had similar life experiences going on as well. Um, it just but the, the stress better. wasn't the same. Yeah. And I didn't have extra fluid and um, yeah, it was. That's interesting. Do you, I mean, what do you, do you have anything that you attribute the extra fluid to, or is it just kind of like luck of the draw, what your body's going to do? Um, you know, I, I really blame stress a lot because I, you know, generally when you have too much fluid, it's something like a blood sugar issue or sometimes something is wrong, like a congenital anomaly with the baby. And we checked all that stuff out and he was fine. Everything was fine. I didn't have gestational diabetes. Um, the, the, ultrasound tech actually said something to me about like just drinking too much water, which I am a big water drinker, but I drank that much water this time too. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it was a lot of fluid, like more than I had even ever seen as a home birth midwife, you know, um, wow. on ultrasound. And so, yeah, I, I, I think, and also just first pregnancies are, are harder most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure, but mostly I really blame it on stress. Right. Um, and it was just somehow a lot less stressful this time. That not just not just stress of my life, but also the stress of how hard the pregnancy was and um, how I just didn't feel good. And I mean, yeah, that I mean that alone would make a huge difference. I feel like like just with what you're able to mentally accept, like <laughs> right. feeling sick all of the time, like oh gosh. Right. But I do think that that fluid um, ultimately had some impact on how the birth ended up going. Um, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So we know that the pregnancy was different this time, but when you were getting to the end, like as labor is getting closer, more imminent, what was that like mentally for you having experienced a pretty difficult birth the first time? Yeah. Um, and it didn't even take me until the end, kind of the whole time I was, I was thinking about what I could do differently this time. Um, and, you know, because there's some, there's a, some research here that needs to be done because for midwives specifically, like it's kind of like a known thing that midwives, especially midwives who have their first baby over 35, have a really, 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 really hard time. Like it's just kind of so common. And, um, and I wonder about the, the mindset stuff because like one of the things when I was going into my first labor is that I was just so, I know so much that labor can go so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wasn't really into, um, getting hooked on an idea of what my labor could be like, which I think might've been, I'm, you know, I don't know how it would have been different, but I, 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 this time around, I 
kind of thought to myself, like, is it my fault that it was so hard and so long and so crazy because I didn't, you know, really try to focus on it and manifest? Because I do so much of that in my regular life, like visualization and, you know, creating my own reality and, and trying to, um, you know, focus on what I want instead of what I don't want and, you know, more of that energy going towards that in the world and stuff. Um, and in my first pregnancy, I just didn't, I kind of was almost in denial that it was going to happen. Um, and I was just really going to go with the flow. And so this time I wanted to do something different. And, um, my friend who is a midwife who was with me for my last one, um, and was with me for this one, I, you know, talked to her early on in my pregnancy and said, like, you know, I want to do something different. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do differently, but I knew I wanted to prepare in a different way. And so what that kind of looked like throughout the pregnancy was me just talking with her about it and kind of talking about how I felt and, you know, that there was some sort of sense of guilt or blame. Um, And also, I want to say that I just have a really like a newfound respect for, for women who have VBACs now. And of course I've always had a huge amount of respect for women who have VBACs and for all women who give birth, but for VBACs specifically, I don't think I've realized like how much your first birth, you know, weighs on you and makes you think about the next one. Cause even for me, um, I don't want to give too much away cause it's kind of a crazy story and I want people to go back and listen to it. Um, but I, you know, I didn't actually do the thing. You know, I didn't really do the thing. And so I just was kind of the whole time. It's hard to imagine actually doing the thing. Like I didn't end up giving birth at home. And so it was just hard for me to, to even find that in my brain, like me being at home, you know, with my baby. And so I just think for somebody who didn't even have a vaginal birth, um, that like, you know, you have to work hard to get over doubting yourself. Mm-hmm. That makes, I, you know what, just you saying it, like I have, I have not considered it that deeply either, but yeah. That's- I mean, because it's not, and it's so easy, you know, I mean, it's what I do as a midwife is believe in other women. And so like, you know, anytime there is a woman who is ha- like attempting a back, you know, I'm like 100% on board. Like you totally got this, you know? And, um, for some reason it's just so much harder to believe in yourself. (laughs) Tell me about that. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's, so I, so I also, in addition to just talking it through and like speaking my fears and, um, or not necessarily fears, but just doubts. Um, also it's super helpful, I think, to just tell people and ask them for their support and belief, you know, and encouragement. And like, you know, so I had a bunch of friends that would, you know, just say it was so helpful to hear people be like, you know, of course it's going to work out. I believe in you a hundred percent, you know, because that's what you need. Like, and even when labor gets hard, um, you don't have to believe you can do it as long as you're surrounded by people who do. That's a great point. I love that. Yeah. Cause there is, there, so often that point of just like, oh, I can't, I can't do it. And yep. then when you hear like all of these loving voices around you being like, yes, you can. Yes, you are. Like, you yeah. know, that's, that's huge. Yeah. And see it in their faces and not, even if they're not there, even if they're not there, even knowing that there's people out in the world who, you know, are 
confident in you and your abilities. Um, so, so yeah, so a lot of talking about it. Um, and then a lot of actually, you know, thinking about it. Like I, I would go on walks. I started going on walks in this sort of nature preserve near my house. I went once a week towards the end because you know, it's harder to get away by yourself with a toddler. Um, but once a week I would go out on this little hike and I would just think about what it was going to be like and kind of, and I kept coming back to the same thing. Like I was going to have a daytime birth. I was going to wake up in the morning and I was going to like, you know, have a good breakfast and then labor through the day. And my son was going to be there. And um, so that's what every time, even if I allowed myself to kind of try to just let it float through and not go back to the same thing that I had thought before, it always kind of like felt that way. Mm. Um, so I did a lot of that. And then I also listened to your course, which was really helpful. Um, another one of your episodes is my sister-in-law, who I was a midwife for, and she did your course and just had a rave review about it. And um, so I did that. And that was just really helpful, too, in kind of, I also was really trying to get out of my midwifey brain this time, um, which I thought I had done last time, but I really don't think I did. And spoiler alert, I didn't really this time either. But. <laughs> I, I, you know what's so funny when you say that? I have a friend who just had her second baby too, who's a midwife. And she said, she was like, you can't take the midwife out of a midwife. Like, that's no. who I am. Like, I can't yeah. not be a midwife. Right. But I, but when I was actually listening to your course, like I did that a few times when um, I, I would listen to it when my son was napping. And so sometimes I would doze off, honestly, but like there, cause there's a lot of stuff in the beginning that was, you know, all info that I kind of know as a midwife right. and a home birth midwife specifically. Um, so like some of the beginning stuff, but it was all good. I mean, it, kudos for the non-midwives out there. <laughs> yes. Yes. For any mom that's trying to have a home birth, it's fantastic. Um, but once I, once we got to the actual labor part and like preparing for labor and, um, talking about the stages and the, um, and pushing and the placenta, like all of that stuff is, again, it's stuff that I know, but I really, um, enjoyed kind of listening to it from a new perspective and really tried to just listen to it as a woman who was going, you know, attempting a home birth after a failed home birth attempt. And, um, uh, so that was really helpful too. And not just in the getting out of you know, the midwife mind and really concentrating on, on learning about what my body is doing and being reminded. Cause again, I know all that stuff, but like it is, it's different to hear it when you're thinking about your own self than it is when you're thinking about, you know, the mechanics of everybody else. Um, but also I just think it's so important for, because I didn't do any prep, real prep the first time. And and, and in practicing what I preach, I always encourage people to do a course, not even necessarily for all the information, even though the information is, you know, empowering and great and helpful. I think there's really something to be said for just actually taking time and mental space and energy to, to sort of just tunnel vision about what's coming up like what is actually going to be happening because it's a big deal. And um, I think it's helpful to just 
give it its due, you know, like it's what it deserves in your brain and your mindset and everything to think about this important thing that's coming up. Um, so I did that too. And which I didn't do the first time. I and I think that, that was really yeah. helpful. That's a, that's such a great point of, and, and I did the same thing with my first birth, even, even as being a, an apprentice at the time, I did take a childbirth education course just to be like, okay, I need to be, I need to be taught, even though I know it, I need somebody to speak this over me and to really, you know, listen to it from these ears, from the mom yes. ears. Yes. And it's different. It's definitely a different perspective to hear it um, from somebody else and hear it from a different perspective. Yeah. Cause whenever I heard it the first time, it's, you know, learning it for someone other than myself. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So we, so you did a lot of talking about what was going to happen. You took time to think about what was going to happen. You took time to prepare like with a childbirth education program Toot toot for happy home birth Academy. She yes. said it, not me. And, <laughs> and so those were several of the ways that you prepared. Was there anything else that really stands out to you for how you tried to kind of get yourself in the right place? Yes. The other thing was, um, my pelvic floor. Uh, I have a strong pelvic floor. Some people might say a tight pelvic floor. Um, and that was a problem in my pregnancy the first time. Um, I think it contributed to some things as well, not just because of the actual pelvic floor, but also because of my worry about it. Oh, mm -hmm. um, but I'm a CrossFit instructor and a CrossFit athlete. And I, you know, lift weights and all that kind of thing. And so I had to do a lot of work. I went to pelvic floor physical therapy during my first pregnancy and did a lot of work to sort of loosen things up. Um, but I think in my mind, knowing that it could possibly be a problem, um, that that had something to do with the labor too. And then, um, so this time I also did a lot of specifically thinking about relaxing my pelvic floor, mm. um, especially as things got closer to the end. So there's like some specific breathing techniques and things you can do to, to work on that. And so um, I was really working on that and really trying to focus. Um, and again, just like give specific focused energy on that specific thing of like releasing and relaxing and not worrying about it and, you know, letting it go kind of in, both physically and mentally. <laughs> Both ways. I yes. like that. And you know, that's one thing that I learned after my first was that I had a tight pelvic floor. Like I never, I never understood that. And then it was like, Oh, you actually need to relax. Not, right. you know, I was trying to go the opposite way. So I think that's really great that you brought that up because other moms might not know that, that that's even a thing. You know? Yeah, it's actually super common, actually it's way more common for people to have a too tight pelvic floor than a too loose pelvic floor. And so, I mean, some people think, you know, if they have incontinence or leak when they jump or, you know, laugh or whatever, that that is coming from because it's too weak. But in reality, sometimes it's because it's too strong, too tight. And um, so I would totally, you know, I don't want to make people worry about it because I, like I said, I think the worry had a negative impact on me. Um, but I do want people to, to know about it and to pay attention and to, if 
you have any question about what might be going on in your own pelvic floor to definitely look up a pelvic floor physical therapist in your area because it's becoming way more common. Um, and there's some good accounts and stuff to follow on Instagram. Maybe we can link a couple of those too, but, um, yeah, there's definitely is something that people could learn more about, um, to, to benefit them. Awesome. Okay. So adding the pelvic floor relaxation, um, and then, so what, how did this all culminate? How did this all come together? So my friend, um, that was with me, she actually lives in Oregon. And so she, last time the plan was kind of for her to just come when I went into labor. Cause we were assuming that my labor was going to be long. We didn't think it was going to be that long, but, um, <laughs> so that's what happened. But this time we planned for her to come a little bit earlier. She came a couple days before my due date and then planned to stay for a couple weeks. Cause she actually stayed and helped me postpartum, which she did last time. And that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But, um, she, so she arrived two days before my due date and, um, it was great to have her here because my husband works evenings. So he's never home. Like after I put my son to bed, I'm always just kind of by myself and I eat dinner with a toddler every night and, you know, scroll my phone or just like watch something stupid on TV before I go to bed. And so it was really fun to have another adult here, um, for this last, you know, couple of days before I went into labor. Um, cause she got to eat my cooking and we had dinner together and then we watched movies every night and just sort of really enjoyed each other's company. So that was great. Um, I had been having a lot of Brexton Hicks towards the end. Um, and there was once or twice where I had, you know, some that seemed like maybe more than Brexton Hicks. One time it was at night and like, as I was laying in bed and I, but I was like, well, you know, this isn't it because I'm having a daytime labor. (laughs) I know I'm about to fall asleep. And then another time it was like a Sunday afternoon. I was at my parents' house. It was father's day. Actually. Um, I was having some, what seemed like real contractions for about an hour or two, um, not strong or anything, but definitely different, but nothing culminated of either of those two things. And so it was Wednesday night into Thursday morning when I finally started having some contractions. We were watching a movie again, like which we had been doing every night since she had been there. This was five days after my due date. Mm-hmm. And my husband um, went like Wednesday night is pretty much the worst possible time I could have gone into labor as far as he's concerned, because <laughs> He works all day Tuesday and he works till midnight and then he has to wake up at six and go back to work Wednesday morning. And he's currently taking a, um, a class thing that he has on Wednesday nights. And so pretty much Tuesday to Wednesday, he's going full bore and completely exhausted always on Wednesday evening. So I'm, I'm watching a movie with my friend and I'm having, I'm having these contractions and I didn't tell anyone because, you know, again, I'm having a daytime birth. And also I was like, you know, it's doesn't, it's definitely not something yet. I don't want anybody else to not get sleep tonight just in case it is what's happening, you know? So I don't want to like, um, call the alarm and have everybody else's adrenaline start getting high. So I'm just watching the movie and having some contractions, not paying attention to them too much, but they're definitely a little uncomfortable. Um, and so then we, my husband's done with his class about 1030 and we start to go to bed. And he says, don't go into labor tonight. I'm really tired. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. (laughs) As I had been having contractions for like two and a half hours by this point. Um, 
but again, they were not hard at all and I wasn't timing them. Um, so I, I totally thought that it was very possible that I was just going to get in bed and fall asleep and they were going to, you know, and I would wake up in the morning. So got into bed and, um, but first actually like right when my husband said that he walked out of the bathroom and I took a quick photo in the, <laughs> in the mirror of me brushing my teeth, like eyes wide, like, uh Oh baby, <laughs> this might be the night. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and sure enough, so went to bed about 1030 and, um, the contractions never stopped. So I never went to sleep, but they weren't really hard. Like, um, I was trying to count them to see, and I, I don't know, maybe I was counting slow because they didn't, they didn't seem long enough and they definitely weren't coming one after the other. And so, but probably, you know, every 10 minutes or so, like I felt like I would almost doze off and then another one would come but I was very relaxed in between and very comfortable laying in bed. Um, and so I just thought to myself, you know, again, this could, one of these times I'm actually going to doze off and then I'm going to wake up in the morning and it's, you know, or in two hours to pee and not be in labor anymore. <laughs> um, but that didn't happen. And so I think maybe around one, I finally started looking at my phone because they were starting to get hard enough that I was really having to do the same kind of breathing, you know, every time. And um, yeah, they were just starting to get a little uncomfortable, still totally fine in between. And I was able to not quite doze off, but definitely get really relaxed in between. And so when I checked my phone at one, I, I watched the clock for, a, you know, 30 minutes or so. And they were definitely coming like every five or six minutes and lasting like at least 45 seconds to a minute. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't know what's happening here, but maybe I'm in labor. And I guess the best thing is probably to just stay in bed as long as I can, if I'm able to keep on relaxing. So that's what I did. Um, maybe around two in the morning, I finally started vocalizing a little bit more and I was kind of having to press on my back. And so my husband rolled over and he was like, uh, are you okay? And I was like, uh, I think I'm in labor. Are you disobeying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, but I'm, it's okay. You just go back to sleep. I'll wake you up when I need you. Everything's fine. And he was like, uh, okay. So I, at that point when they started getting hard at two in the morning and I was kind of having to make some noise and having to press on my back, um, I didn't know how long it was going to last because my last one was so long. And so I was like, I, I wanted to give myself like a goalpost to reach. And so I told myself I was going to stay in bed until three. And if they were still coming and they were still this strong, I would get out of bed at three in the morning. Um, so like around two forty or something, I looked at my phone and I was like, Oh man, like I want to get out of bed now. <laughs> I do not want to keep on laying here for any more of these. Uh, but I was like, I told myself three o'clock, so I'll get out of bed at three o'clock. So I did, I, I made it to three. And then I just thought, you know, even if I could keep laying down, cause I still was able to relax in between. I was like, it's probably maybe better at this point. Maybe things would move faster if I was upright. So got out of bed at three and, um, I actually went outside. We moved during this pregnancy to a house that has this huge, amazing backyard. Mm -hmm. And so I went out there and there was like, you know, frogs and crickets and it was drizzling a little bit. And I was barefoot just walking around in the grass. And so that was kind of fun to just be me. Ground. 
Yeah. And also I, I was really trying to connect with her who I didn't know it was a her at the time. Although when I was in labor, um, I didn't have any feelings the whole time, but when I was in labor, I started really thinking like, Oh my gosh, you're a girl. Like I was pretty sure when I was laying in, in bed, cause I was really trying to just connect with her more or whoever it was. Um, also about, you know, I know this is going to be hard for you too. And like, let's work together. Like, I, the whole time I was in bed, I was really trying to relax my pelvic floor and like specifically focusing on that every single contraction to just be really, really loose down there. And so I was also like talking to the baby during that time being like, okay, baby, like I'm doing my part. Like you got to do your part. Like we're in this team. Let's just like not make this take forever. (laughs) And you know, and don't, don't be scared. Like, I know it's going to hurt you, but you're going to be fine. And you're coming out to see me. So I was like connecting with her. So that was fun to be outside too. Um, just again, just me and the baby and the, you know, the nighttime stars and all of that. It was a, a good part, a good memory. Um, yeah, but they were definitely starting to get harder. Um, although I was just walking around, so I would just stand, you know, stand and sway when the contractions were coming. And after a while, I felt like they were coming faster. Um, and so I was like, maybe I should eat something. So I came inside and I was planning to sit on the birth ball. So I came inside and just grabbed some stuff, some yogurt and watermelon from the fridge. And I was trying to eat and I sat down on the birth ball and I was like, uh, nope, like that's not comfortable. There's something there that does not feel good to sit on. So it was about 3.30 when I came in. And, um, at that point, my contractions started coming like really, you know, every two and a half minutes or two minutes and, but they weren't lasting a long time. They were just lasting like 30 seconds. And so then, you know, my midwife brain is like, this is not a productive labor pattern. Like (laughs) what's going on here? Because I was feeling, I was getting to that point where I was like, you know, wanting to stand up on my toes and like not sink into my heels and, um, So like, it felt like there was some pressure happening, but my contractions are, you know, coming fast, but only lasting a short amount of time. So in my head, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but it was definitely starting to get uncomfortable. Um, And I was just, you know, shoving bites of food into my mouth in between at about 345. um, Well, so I made myself another goalpost at that point. I said, I will go wake up my friend at four o'clock. Like if these contractions are still coming every two minutes at four o'clock, I will go wake her up. And I wanted her for a few reasons. I wanted to like, be like, Hey dude, is this, look at this freaking non-productive labor pattern. Like what's going on? I'm uncomfortable here. And I also wanted to ask her if she thought it was time to call my mom. And also all of my supplies were in the room that she was sleeping in. And what I really wanted to do was, lean over the couch in the living room, but I didn't have any of like the bad towels and the chucks pads and stuff like that. All of that was in her room. And so I wanted to be able to get some of that stuff. But um, again, I was like, you know, I'm, I don't know how long this is going to last. So I'm just going to push through until four o'clock and then I'll go wake her up. So 3.45, I had a contraction that really kind of swept me off my feet. And I was like, all right, I don't want to do this alone anymore. So then I called out for my husband and he came in to the kitchen Um, not that there was really anything he could do for me, but I just didn't want to be, you know, alone. 
So he came and, um, and again, I don't know if this is midwife brain where all women would do this, but like my, you know, my contractions were coming every two minutes, it's three forty-five, And I'm like, well, crap, like I have to do like seven more of these freaking things before I can go get my friend. Like, I do not want to do this seven more times before I go in there. Um, but, but I did because I had, yeah. given, I had given myself a goal and I was going to get there. So like right as I had one at four o'clock, I walked right into her room and um, she was already awake because at that point I was starting to make noise. And so she had been timing them for a few minutes and um, she was like, yeah, your contractions are coming fast. And I was like, I know. And she's like, but they're not lasting very long. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and um, so we were like having conversation, but the contractions were coming. So one on top of the other. So like we would have just like, you know, one communication and then I would have another contraction and then one communication and I would have another contraction. I had a couple contractions when I was in that room um, and she like tried to squeeze my hips and push on my back and helped a little bit, but not a ton. And, um, and so we were just in there for a couple of minutes and then went out to the couch. Um, and so I leaned over on the couch and she was like, I don't know, maybe we should just full, fill up your bathtub. Cause I have a big bathtub at this new house. We, we had a birth tub that we could blow up, but we weren't sure I was like there yet. And so she's like, maybe we could just fill up your bathtub so you could get in to take a little pressure off because I was starting to get a little, a little out of my mind. Like when the contractions were happening, I was not, I stopped coping very well. I, you know, I was like, this sucks. You know, we need, something needs to change. I need, I need help at this point. And it was not helping for her to push on my back anymore. Um, and so then I, and I was starting to kind of do this, you know, noise at the top of contractions. And so she's like, well, maybe you should go ahead and call her mom. So my husband called my mom and who lives literally down the street now. And so she could get here quickly. Um, and, he, and then she's like, and why don't you go ahead and start filling up the birth tub? So my husband starts filling up the birth tub. I then am remembering from my last labor a time where I was kind of in the same position. I was feeling pressure and I was like pushing a little bit and I didn't have a baby for like another like 18 hours or something insane. And so I, in my mind, I'm just like, I cannot, like, I cannot do this for however much time because it was getting really intense. And I stuck my finger in to just see if there was a baby there, like, you know, I was, it's like a Hail Mary. I was like, please God, let there be a baby head there. And I put my whole entire finger, like my pointer finger, the whole thing in, and there was no baby head anywhere to be found. And I was like, oh my gosh. I said, Jen, like there, she's not there, but it feels like so hard. And, um, you know, she's, Jen's trying to calm me down. I didn't say it that calmly. I was really sort of out of my mind at that point like this is so hard and she's not there like what the heck why are these contractions so hard and then um my husband is filling up the birth tub i turn i get off the couch so then my hands are like planted on the ground and my knee so i'm on my hands and knees like on all fours and just started screaming like Oh, I just was saying, oh my God, oh my God. I just could not believe the 
intensity because the first time I had an epidural and I think, um, I felt like, because I've seen so many people give birth on epidurals that I felt more than most people that I have seen give birth on epidurals. Like it wasn't as strong or maybe it had worn off by the time I actually was pushing him out or any, or, or whatever, because it was really intense then like really intense or so I thought. <laughs> um, but this was, it was otherworldly. It was out of this world. And well, I just, wait, it sounds like there was a huge shift super quick. Like I, mean, I, I, yeah, I went into her room at four o'clock. We were probably in there till four ten. I came out on, I mean, I probably was on the couch when I felt for her head at four ten. I think ish. Uh-huh. And you didn't and, feel- and I did not feel a baby head. Mm-hmm. And then I get over on my hands and knees and I'm screaming for 20 minutes and she was born at 434. Oh my gosh. <laughs> totally. So yeah, no wonder it was so intense, Madeline. Your baby went like. <laughs> I was absolutely in transition. Holy when I was Traverse the dang birth canal so fast. I know. I said, like, I was like. Uh, ring of fire, shaming of fire. That was like a freaking tunnel of fire. Like she came just barreling out of me. Cause what? I mean, I swear I couldn't feel anything at all. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening, but I mean, I was, it was just, I was out of my mind. I mean, I was in another place just like people always talk about. And like, I didn't have that experience the first time. Like I was, I was in another place. There was no, there was nothing that was going to save me. It was, you know, like I couldn't stop it. It was just, and, um, you know, my body was doing it and she was doing it. We were doing it. Um, but yeah, it is, it is insane. It's kind of like, gosh, this phrase gets on my nerves a lot. Like I know it's just so (laughs) annoying, but like the only way out is through it's, (laughs) it really is. I know. I mean, really, it was just exactly like people say. I mean, it is, it is an, there's nothing like it. There is just nothing like it. And, you know, I felt like, because I was, I mean, I was screaming. I was, my friend Jen says that I wasn't, she said, if there was a video, I would not have been like as out of control as I, as I felt like I was. Uh Um, But my, mom got there like as I was crowning and she said me from the driveway (laughs) so I was certainly making a lot of noise um and uh oh at one point also I felt like my freaking butt was going to explode and so as a midwife also I know that it helps to like put pressure like a warm compress or something on there to sort of relieve some of that sensation. And so I was like screaming. I was, she said, I was like, my butt. (laughs) And so my mom came in, my mom came in like right at that point. And my mom's like, me, can I do something? And I was like, no, because I knew she wasn't going to be able to do it. Right. And so Jen's like, I just need a warm compress. So so my mom grabbed a washcloth. And so Jen helped me with that. Um, But yeah, then her freaking head started coming out and and Jen says to my husband, Andrew, she's like, uh, we're not going to have time for that. Because she realized like once things, you know, after I turned over and was like on my hands and knees and really was, it was happening. Um, she was like, we're not going to have time to fill up that tub. So the tub is like half filled up next to me. 
not with water, with air, half filled <laughs> up with air next to me. <laughs> and um, yeah, so once her, once I could actually feel her like head, you know, when she was just like a little bit, I could feel her head at the entrance or the exit, I guess. Um, <laughs> I felt like I finally kind of was able to reel it in and breathe and just let her come out slowly. And, um, you know, and that's just a crazy sensation too. Cause I, with my son, I pushed, I was on my back at the hospital, you know, like with people holding my legs and doing, you know, the whole thing. And, um, it was so different to be, you know, it was just, I don't know what the word is, just wild or something to be, you know, on my hands and knees and like feel her head coming out of me. And like, even now she likes when she sleeps to, if she's falling asleep, like if I rub her head, she'll go to sleep better. And it just like, every time I just rub her little head, it just feels exactly like it did. Like when, you know, I was just rubbing her head just right there half, you know, when it was out of me waiting for her body to come. And um, it was just, yeah, like in hindsight, it, it was an incredible experience as it was happening. Um, it was horrible, 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 horrible. Um, and, but that part, like once her, once I could finally feel her head came and I was finally able to breathe, it didn't feel like a relief. Like I, I hear people talk about like once the head is out that it feels like a relief. It did not feel like a relief, but it felt, I felt like, you know, you know, it's almost over yeah. at that point. And even though it's not, it doesn't feel good yet. Um, you know, it's almost over. And so I was able to just stop screaming and breathe and, and let her be born. So then, yeah, her head was out for a little while and then her body came out and um, I caught her or I didn't catch her. My friend caught her and then handed her, you know, over or through my legs to me. Um, and also I feel like I should say that I, I neither time with either of my births, did I have this kind of like heavenly experience of, you know, meeting my baby for the first time. Like, I think um, I was just telling a friend my birth story last night and she said, it's so good to hear you say that. Cause like, I didn't feel that way either. And I feel like a lot of moms like feel guilty or something if they don't have this, you know, wonderful love at first sight kind of oxytocin rush experience. And like, I definitely didn't feel that way either time. I mean, both times it was so intense and hard and exhausting for completely different reasons that, you know, of course I was happy to be finished and I was, you know, happy to see her and everything, but like, it, it didn't feel like what some people talk about it as, as this kind of, you know, the best moment of their life or something. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. I love hearing different people's perspective of that just so that it can be, you know, it's normalized. normalized. Whatever yeah. you feel. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I w- was just thinking about was like, intensity of, I mean, gosh, that was so fast. Things just revved up so fast for you. It seems like rain, like, you know, when those births happen, I mean, I know you've seen it a million times, but it makes sense. Like your brain is not where your body is. Like it, right. To catch up with that speeding freight train, like how do you even do Yeah. Yeah. You can't. And I definitely had like a lot of adrenaline afterwards. I mean, I was shaking. Um, My mom was trying to ask me questions about like, you know, what had happened, like how we had gotten (laughs) to this point so fast, you know? And every time she would talk to me about it, like I could like feel my adrenaline, like I couldn't, I was like, we can't, 
talk about this. Like it's still like my nervous system cannot handle what just happened to me. Like I need, um, you know, a break. And even like once we got back into bed, um, I was, I was shaking and I was having afterbirth pains, which I didn't really feel either. I didn't feel them with, with my son or else they were like dulled because of the epidural. Um, but like I was having these cramps that just felt so terrible and I was shaking and I just couldn't catch my breath. And my husband was holding her at the time. And, you know, my midwife friend was giving me rescue remedy and like cramp bark and things like that. And then she's like, I think you just need to have your baby back <laughs> because I didn't want to hold her. Cause I wanted to like calm down and like be prepared to hold her. Cause I was so like, you know, just hopped up kind of. And so, but fine. But when my husband gave her back to me, skin to skin, it was like almost immediate. Like, and I know this also in my brain, you know, I mean, they, they are like little ibuprofens, these little things, the oxytocin that they give you when they're skin to skin. And so I felt much better immediately as soon as we put her back on me once we got to bed. Um, but like when I took a shower, my mom asked me a question again and I was in the shower and I was like, Nope, can't talk about it. Like it took me a while to really come down. Um, from the whole thing. And there were so many people afterwards that, you know, when I, I I haven't told the story to a lot of people yet, but just telling them that it was faster and, and, uh, you know, so many people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad it was so much easier than last time. And I'm like, nothing like it was. And I don't think there is a way I prefer, honestly, like they were both just really hard um, for both both times were really, really, really hard. Yeah. They, they're, so you've like, I don't know, you have had the midwife births, like <laughs> you've had the spectrum at this point, like the long, just like drawn out. And then that short, so crazy intense, like what's even happening. Yes, like yes. you just so common for the second babies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people were telling me that the whole time too, like, it's probably just going to be really fast, you know, and straightforward, like second babies always are. But again, I didn't want to like count on that just in case it didn't happen that way. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a crazy, it's a crazy thing to go from zero to 60 like that. Cause it's just like you said, like your, your brain is not where your body's at at all. It's just gone. It's like, you can't, <laughs> I'm trying to reach it. Yeah. But so, okay. So after that though, like what has the postpartum been like compared to after your first birth? Um, like night and day. I mean, I felt like the first time that I had been hit by a truck after, and I was just, my body hurt for days, you know, because I was in labor for days. Mm-hmm. And so this time the recovery has been way like physically my body has felt so much better um, so fast. I stayed in bed. The first time I stayed in bed for two weeks, this time I stayed in bed for one week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I definitely didn't need to in the same way that I did the first time. Um, but you know, I, that's something else that I'm passionate about. And so I forced myself to, to really get the, the rest and recovery um, that I, needed and that my body and my baby deserved. Um, so yeah, and I, I did, I just, I just felt better. And I think there is really, you know, you hear people talk about second babies, just, I think a lot of it is your mindset too. Like I just am not nearly as, you know, 
hyper aware of every single breath that she takes and um you know like as soon as my son's diaper would be wet I would change it <laughs> like I'll let her go a little bit longer and um I think there's just a little bit more patience too for you know how they want to eat all the time and they want to be held all the time and um I think I you just kind of accept it the second time a little bit easier than the first time like I remember being like are you kidding me like you want to eat again you want me to pick you up again <laughs> like but so it's been it's been good Oh, I'm so glad. I, I just really, you know, as it's one of those things where like, I was really trying not to reach out and ask you how you were doing <laughs> towards the end. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, that can be so annoying. But I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to hear how Madeline's birth goes. I can't wait to have her back on. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy that, I mean, I know it was intense. I know that it's not like, oh, it was just like, so peaceful. <laughs> it was so not peaceful. And, <laughs> and some people do have peaceful births mm -hmm. and, you know, and that's wonderful. And, you know, they are also different, but like, I definitely did feel like because of all my preparation and everything, another thing that I really wanted to do was kind of have it be a little bit more peaceful, like, especially the pushing part, because I felt like if you go back and listen, I was pretty out of control when I was pushing out my son too. And so I was really hoping that I was going to be able to be a lot more cool, calm and collected and Zen whenever I was pushing her out. And that absolutely did not happen. And so I definitely felt like for the first couple of days, just sort of, um, I don't want to say I, well, maybe like disappointed in myself or something. It was like, I, like I did a bad job you know? Um, and I've heard women say that before too. I've had a, lots of women who have, ha, who have said that to me, like, you know, that they didn't do a good job or something. And I'm like, so I understand how those people feel now. And, but as a midwife, you know, I'm like, no way, man, like you freaking rocked that. Like I watched you do it. You did not do, it was incredible. Um, and it took me a little while to, to, to get to that point myself. Right. Um, and actually there was a, a woman who um, posted something on Instagram, a midwife that I follow posted. It was one of her clients, I guess. The caption uh, was, it just was so similar to my experience that it kind of, when I read her, her, telling of her story I could I, I felt myself as a midwife like thinking of this you know and she just talked about roaring her baby out and that she was in this you know that she was stuck to the ground and there was no way she could move from that place and that she just you know did it and with there's some um some bad words in her caption but like you know, just the, that power of like, holy crap, like I freaking did that. And it was me and my baby and, you know, nobody could have moved me. Nobody could have affected it. It was only me. Mm -hmm. And so reading that as a midwife, I was like, yes, if I would have been there, that is absolutely what I would have felt that that woman was doing, you know? And so then I kind of was able to step back and see my own self and, you know, finally be like, okay. I freaking did that thing. Yeah. yeah, I just, I did. Yeah, I love that. I think that is so, like, such a good point of, like, yeah, hey, it doesn't have to look a certain way. Like, mm -mm. you just 
took a baby that was inside of you and brought it outside of you. (laughs) Holy cow. And I tell people, you know, because now I have experienced it, but I do tell people all the time, like, you know, if it's a short labor or a long labor, like you still have to do the whole thing. (laughs) like you said you have to have a baby that's inside of you it needs to come out of you and like you know that's one that's a whole job no matter how long it (laughs) that's a project project. (laughs) oh man madeline i am so glad to hear your perspective like it just it really brings it sheds a lot of light into also like how how we can be talking about this and supporting moms in whatever, like just this idea of like, Hey, it does not look one certain way. It is not a one size fits all thing. And that's great. Like to be able to accept that, like, yeah, I freaking roared my kid out. Like it's amazing Mm -hmm. because there isn't anything you can do. I mean, like, uh oh, Oh, she's got a roar. (laughs) Yeah. She wants to tell you about it. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, I couldn't have done it any other way. Like there was no, I couldn't have done it any other way. And so that's the thing, like different people do it different ways, but they do it the way that they have to. And it's amazing and beautiful and wonderful and incredible and awesome every time. Oh my gosh. I am so happy for you. And I'm so grateful that you were able to come back on the podcast and share this and, you know, you're welcome anytime. I love having you here. <laughs> well, seriously, I feel like we need to talk one time about just postpartum straight up. I would but, love to. Yeah. But we can do that another day. Well, after, maybe after I'm out of this, this actual postpartum experience. Oh. I'm still a little bit in it. She's, she's three weeks old yesterday. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You are in the thick of it. You are- yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I can't wait for that. And I um, am so excited to, to just continue to see how Believe in Midwifery grows. And we will, of course, put all of your links. If you would like to tell everyone where they can find you right now, that'd be great. Sure. So um, I am at Believe in Midwifery on Instagram. Um, I'm not being especially active at the moment with, you know, being in my newborn world, but um, hopefully get a little more of that. Um, I also, you just recently had on your podcast, um, Leslie Cornwell from the midwifery business consultation. And we have been working together a little bit and have some stuff that might possibly be in the works this year. And she is an incredible resource for midwives, Mm -hmm. um, and sustainability as far as like business and stuff is concerned. And so hopefully, um, so there's some stuff on my YouTube channel, which you can find if you just look on Believe in Midwifery, search Believe in Midwifery on YouTube. There's a couple interviews with Leslie, um, which are recent. And so she has some golden nuggets of wisdom on there. Um, And so yeah, at Believe in Midwifery on Instagram. And then I also have a website called www.believeinmidwifery.com. And there is some other podcasts and just some more of my... um, info about sustainable midwifery practices and the kind of things that I encourage. And then I also have an e-course, which you can find on the website, which is called Believe in Midwifery's Guide to Sustainable Practice. And that is, um, it has 10 CEUs uh, that are MEEK accredited. And uh, that is a course that's just about how to make your midwifery practice sustainable. So um, that's out there too. Awesome. Yep. And there's a podcast episode on that. So we will link that in the show notes as well. Awesome. 
Oh man, Madeline. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us how it all, how it all came to be. And <laughs> I look forward to uh, seeing this little baby grow. Yes, I know. Me too. It's fun. I still can't really believe it's a girl. Like I'm just kind of getting used to the idea. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, go, go snuggle that baby girl. All right. Thanks, Caitlin. Now, isn't she just the most wonderful? I love Madeline Murray, and I think that she always brings so much valuable information, whether she's talking about sustainable midwifery and the way to implement that kind of practice or her own birth stories. Madeline really brings such solid information. And as we head into this week's episode roundup, I really want to touch on something that Madeline made me think very deeply about. And that's the idea of a peaceful birth versus an empowered birth. Now, there are no guarantees that you're going to have a peaceful birth. There are no guarantees that you're going to have any specific type of birth. Like we have said many times, birth is wild. There are things that you can do, though, to be prepared and to have an empowered birth. Whether it's nice and calm and gentle and peaceful, or it's rocketing your baby out, like Madeline talked about, roaring that baby out, Either way, it can be an empowering experience. And so much of that comes through education, through community, and through mindset. You heard Madeline talk about the fact that once she started thinking about her birth, the way that she would think of it if she were the midwife there, it changed her entire perspective and allowed her to step into that sense of empowerment. So I want to talk about the fact that No, not every birth is going to be peaceful. Yes, it is possible for many people. Yes, it does happen. I had a peaceful birth after my my first birth, not so peaceful. Second birth, very peaceful. It can happen, but the important thing is that you have an empowered birth and you do that through education, through community, and through mindset. So I just wanted to point that out and I thank you so much, Madeline, for bringing that up. Moms, just know, if you bring a baby from the inside to the outside, it does not matter how you do it. You are incredible. Remember that, and thank you guys for tuning in this week. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.